on today's show. We take a look back at a miraculous win in Toronto last night for the Hornets. And breaking news overnight. Could the All-Star Game be heading to Charlotte in 2019? We will update you. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Locked On Locked On Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the podcast version of a 50-point triple-double, David Walker. This is excellent news. That's great. That's a great description of myself. Thank you, Doug. Good morning. Well, it could be. I mean, it just depends (laughs) on how you take it because there have been... Uh, what, four 50-point triple-doubles this season? And prior to this season, there were zero. So you could take it as, that's a fantastic accomplishment, or you could take it as, eh. It's a fantastic accomplishment. Let's go down. <laughs> we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NBA the NFL Golf Fantasy Sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Let's start with some news that could affect Charlotte's chances of hosting the 2019 NBA All-Star Game. North Carolina lawmakers and Governor Roy Cooper have said they've reached an agreement to repeal House Bill 2, or the Bathroom Bill, as it was called. The bill led to this year's All-Star Game, which was originally slated to be played in Charlotte, to be moved to New Orleans. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has said multiple times that changes to the law were necessary for the NBA to host the game in Charlotte for the 2019 All-Star Weekend. The NCAA, on the other hand, called for a full repeal of HB2 and gave the state a firm deadline to come to a deal yesterday. Otherwise, North Carolina would have missed out on hosting considerations until 2022. Now, this deal has to uh, be voted on by the legislature, so nothing is in ink yet, but here is what is in the deal or what's reported to be in the deal. This is a full repeal of HB2, but regulation of multi-occupancy facilities will fall under state's control. Local governments cannot pass their own ordinances dealing with employment practices and bathroom regulations, alluding to, of course, the anti-discrimination ordinances until 2020. Uh, so, David, uh, what are your thoughts on this repeal and the effect <laughs> it could have on the 2019 All-Star Weekend? Well, it seems like the NBA wants to work with Charlotte uh, on this, Doug. So, I mean, I think, and forgive me, this is early, and I'm just trying to break down your, your very This is breaking news. This is very yeah, this early. Is <laughs> we're just, is we're getting, these, report, we're we're getting these reports in. My producer's telling me right now things are changing. Anyway, and we haven't heard it, and we haven't heard anything from the NBA specifically on Mm-mm. this. I'm sure Mm-mm. as of yet. So, I mean, of course, we'll have to wait and see what they say about that. But I mean, it seems like this is certainly well. It's a good thing the NCAA stepped in, I guess, because God forbid they're not. They don't want to spend any more time, uh, you know, sending tournaments to Greenville. It sounds like. Well, that's the interesting part about this, David. That the NCAA essentially did what the NBA could not. Uh, the NBA. Mm has been calling for, quote, changes to the bill 
uh, uh, consistently yeah. putting pressure on the legislature, but ultimately they gave no firm deadlines. In fact, Adam Silver was very careful in this whole process to avoid uh, what he called, you know, an ultimatum of any kind. And eventually yeah. they just, without really a, a firm deadline, they moved the game. Uh, but right. the NCAA, on the other hand, said, look, uh, we want a full repeal of HB2 and we want it by this date or we're scheduling the rest of these championship events until 2022 and none of those events will be on uh, or, or on uh, the soil of North Carolina. So they right. they pushed uh, this. And they kind of could do that, right? I mean, the NBA, it's a little bit different because the NCAA is going to have stuff or scheduled to have stuff there. Yeah. Basically, they have a little year, more right? leverage. I mean, it's 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 not just basketball, right? It's it's like soccer, it's baseball, everything that well, would be would have been played. So, and like the NBA All Star Game was just one thing um, to to hold out there, I guess. Is, and let's step back and and also recognize that a large sports body brought the legislature to the table and the governor mm-hmm. to the table, not uh, cause for human concern. Or or anything like that, or the three maybe the three the report about three point you know more than three billion dollars uh, of lost revenue for North Carolina and that, that you know businesses pulling out uh, PayPal right. leaving Charlotte none of that brought them to, it was the NCAA it was college basketball essentially and college football isn't it isn't it crazy isn't it <laughs> I mean, isn't it wild isn't, isn't it, it wild isn't it something else oh my gosh but, I mean I guess it, it something needed to happen there was a call for it to happen. You're right, though. It's like, look, look what time of year we're in. We're in March. Uh, tournaments have not been held in North Carolina because of this. It's the Final Four. There's all this talk about it. Uh, and they gave the deadline. So, you know, I think whatever it took to get these folks to come to whatever agreement they did to repeal this thing and and make changes is is good. And we should, we should be thankful for that, I think. Uh, but from an NBA standpoint only, Doug, I think this probably – is a good thing. I mean, I don't, you know, I can't see the NBA coming back and saying, well, this isn't enough. Yeah, I can't either because, again, they were calling for, quote, changes to the bill. They were not right. even calling for mm-hmm. a full repeal. They were ready to negotiate the terms. And so, yes, I think if you look at this. I guess, you know, we'll and, Yeah, see. exactly. We don't, we don't have official word from the NBA, but I think if you look at this and based on Silver's past statements, you have to feel like the chances for a 2019 All-Star Weekend in Charlotte are very good. Okay, for uh, any political thoughts? Any more political thoughts on this? You'll have to you'll have to check out some other sources. Uh, some some people that have a, a little more cred than us in that arena. Uh, let's talk about what we do know, or maybe actually this is not something we know because I don't think we know anything about the Charlotte Hornets at no. this point. Uh, it's very confusing out there for everyone. Uh, but we'll talk about this game that happened last night in Toronto against the Raptors. Uh, the Hornets do uh, get the victory over a very good Toronto team. Uh, broke their six-game winning streak. They win on the road 110 to 106. Uh, David, they started out very well, very um, intense first half. They they basically came with a lot of that energy that we did not see uh, the the previous night uh, in Charlotte. I don't know what I don't know what to make of it, Doug. We talked about that a little bit in the preview for this game. It's like it didn't show up at home in Charlotte, and it feels like this was the next punch to just knock the Hornets out for the season. And they they bounced back, <laughs> and they played better on the road, and they play against a better. You know, well, not a better team, but I mean, certainly a, a more formidable um, situation playing on the road against our Raptors team that's fighting for the playoffs too. So, who the hell knows? I mean, there's seven games left in the season, Doug, and and I, I mean, you're right. We don't know any more than we did 
like it feels like day one about this team. But as Clifford said last night, guess what? They hit a bunch of threes in the fourth quarter. That helps. No, no, that's not what Steve Clifford said. You say what he said. He said it was a make-or-miss league as told to him (laughs) by, quote, Coach Riley, unquote. Not not Patrick, not not Patterson Riley. I don't know what kind of relationship they have. Not P-Money. He said, Coach, (laughs) he gave him the recognition that the man deserves. Didn't I say General Manager Riley? Well, that would have been appropriate. Uh, Either let's, way. Well, let's talk about this game. So in the first half, Kimball Walker goes 2 of 10 from the field, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. Uh, but it was Frank Kaminsky stepping up and hitting threes, 3 of 4 uh, from 3. 12 points in that first half really lifted the offense. But uh, as a whole, I think that defensively, uh, it was the story. 47 points mm-hmm. uh, for the Raptors. And, you know, look, DeMar DeRozan got his in that first half, 13 points, 5 of 10 from the field. But, you know, they were holding some of these auxiliary players. You know, Damari Carroll only getting two attempts, no points in that first half. Serge Ibaka was 2 of 8 from the field. Uh, so they were limiting those other opportunities for other players. And I just thought they did a fantastic job in that first half. And we also saw Miles Plumley get into the game, uh, maybe because of some foul trouble to both Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller. Uh, but he does get, uh, uh, what, fifth, nearly 15, 16 minutes in this game, had four early points, including a reverse standing jam. What did you think about Miles Plumley's return to the court for the Charlotte Hornets? Shocked. I was shocked, Doug. I mean, I didn't see any notion of this, and I was out in the battle a little bit, but uh, of him playing this season. <laughs> like, I didn't expect it at all. So, I think anything they can get to look at him uh, before the end of the season is, is good. And obviously, they've been lacking depth for weeks now. So, um, hey, they'll, they'll take what they can get. A reverse dunk on top of that, of course. Yeah, he looks, I mean, he looks physically ready to go. Uh, you know, Dell making the joke during the game about his lung capacity. I'm sure there's still some conditioning issues, uh, f- you know, just getting back onto the court. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see, again, an extra body. I mean, that's what they're going to need. Uh, they're going to need bodies to stay healthy next season, but they need extra bodies if they have any chance of pulling off uh, what is now going to be a miraculous uh, run to the playoffs if they actually pull it off. Uh, other yeah. notable performances in this one, Marco Bellinelli, 7 of 11 from the field for 21 points and 5 assists, and I think those 5 assists were important. He was able to you know, drive and kick. We, we have not seen much of a drive and kick. We certainly didn't see it. Uh, the the previous game, uh, much of a drive and kick game, everything was you know cutting through the middle of the lane. You talked about that. Uh, this one got out to the three point line more, and I think a lot of that had to do with Marco Bellinelli, and then of course Kimba Walker turning it on in the fourth oh, quarter. Man. Let's go. Let's go to two minutes left in the game, David. Marco Bellinelli, unselfish again, driving and kicking to Kimba for the three. He uh, you know was just on fire with his jump shot. Off balance, no way that's going in. Oh, my God, it just did jump shot. Marco Bellinelli had it turned on. And then uh, what do you make of this play? The one that uh, preceded that one, Cody Zeller holding on to the ball way too long, had Kimba behind him. (laughs) Uh, Zeller was wide open for a shot at one point but did not take it. Again, I think another instance of his inability to shoot complicating things on offense, David. What did you think about this uh, beginning of this final two minutes of play? Man, zero points for Cody last night. Uh, four and four assists. Six a lot of rebounds. foul trouble, which I also Sheesh. I've also talked about. He's got. I talked about this on ESPN. I think that he really has to work on his defense in terms of when he's in a matchup that's unfavorable to him, not fouling. Yeah, he looked. Uh, that was a weird. Game Fouls for out Cody. of this yeah. game. 
Yeah. Uh, and Abaco had foul trouble uh, for Toronto on the other side. But yeah, that, that, at one point, I, I thought he had a lane to drive that ball. And then he just ended up in complete no man's land. But you don't often see someone just totally freeze up, you know, instead of just, just throw it at the rim, you know, yeah. get it up there, like do something. Yeah, well, and part of this, too, and this is a good time to mention this, that, uh, you know, Toronto really turned up their defense. Uh, they, they did not play well defensively in the first half, but in that third quarter, and then into the fourth quarter as well, uh, they were pressuring the ball a lot more and just playing uh, better, I thought, on defense. And they turned the, the Hornets over a few more times in that second half and uh, just able to contain what the Hornets wanted to do, especially at the rim. I mean, it seemed like at the beginning of that third quarter, uh, no no Hornet could get anywhere near the rim without getting blocked. Mm-hmm. How many blocks did they finish out in this game? Um, they had seven. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that was Valanchunas, who is is terrible at pick and roll defense. But when when he can sit down on a play and, and basically hang out around the rim, he's much more effective. And he has three blocks in this one. So, um, yeah, that made it much tougher on the Hornets. Let's go to under a minute to go. Kimball Walker drives. He thinks he was fouled, and I think he definitely yeah. was. They called. Yeah. They certainly called less contact on the other end on the previous play. Um, but I'm glad they did not call it because he gets the ball back, goes one-on-one with Corey Joseph, puts the – you couldn't see it in the initial angle, but it looks like on the on the sort of NBA 2K angle uh, that he put it like a Jordan crossover push-off sweep move on uh, poor Joseph, uh, but he does oh, it man. behind the three-point line and then just absolutely buries it. The Hornets go uh, up four at that point. Um or no, yeah, that, was that up, was no, that was up one. That was the that, that was, was a shot one. to go up one, and then Zeller fouled out with 30 seconds to go, and then Toronto goes two for one, giving the ball to Demar Derozan, who finished this game with 28 points, doing an eight assist, six rebounds, doing very Demar Derozan things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David, talk about that final play, though. That was as filthy a shot as you'll see, and that's something you know you're used to seeing from Kemba in the month of March, certainly in UConn, but we've seen it more of late over uh, the past couple of years. I mean, that was first of all, you mentioned the contact and the foul. I thought he definitely there was definitely contact, um, or at least it looked like to me he got fouled for sure, and he was he was fired up about it because the play before, like you said. I think wasn't that the play that Zeller went pretty much straight up? And, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Way less, yeah, way less contact yeah. for, from Zeller. Right. And so they come back down the other end and he just, I, I, you know, I read it on Twitter after the game. I mean, that was a cathartic reaction and shot from Kemba. And I think he was taking out a lot of his frustrations. Mm-hmm. You could see it in his reaction. And I, well, I felt well, listen, that. You if, know, you, if, you read lips, if you read lips, if you read lips, he was very, yeah. he was very so, I mean, vocal about it. I think for you, for the rest of the fans that were watching out there, you know, uh, that was probably a similar reaction they had. Cause it was just like, man, you know, sometimes you just got to go out and take it, and it felt like Kimbo just was not going to let them lose that game. So some of those shots down the stretch were, I mean, absolutely huge. And and don't forget, it's it's obviously a game they have to have. But I mean, they had to have those shots too. I mean, just long threes and that one on one. He was going to take. I mean, he was going to take that. He was he he had it in his mind that he was going to score, and it was really something special to see. I mean, honestly, Doug, it's like. You see what this guy can do, and you see what kind of player he is. And it, it, you know, not everything is easy for him because of his height. But man, when he gets going like that, is something to watch. It was absolutely incredible. And then, of course, as I said, so 
They go two for one, looking for another. Toronto was looking for another opportunity, uh, but Kemba drives deep into the defense on this final play. They double down on Kemba again, throwing Valanciunas at him at the rim as they had done the entire game. Kemba reads it somehow, uh, gets around Valanciunas, kicks it to Batum, who knows exactly who is open, and that's Marvin Williams, and boy, uh, did he knock it down uh, with authority. Um, my goodness, that was uh, an incredible shot from uh, someone who who needed that shot to go down, I think. Marvin Williams uh, has been a little inconsistent with his three-pointer, but he was four of six on the night, and the entire team, 16 of 32 from beyond the arc. They were eight of 10 in the fourth <laughs> quarter on three-pointers, uh, 44 points scored in that fourth quarter to beat Toronto. I think if you're Toronto, you leave that game going, "All right, like whatever. Okay, we're we're all right." You know that was a that was a really tough game. The Hornets absolutely, you know, they lose that game. the 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 season would have officially been over. That would have been the knockout yeah. punch for the Hornets, especially because so many other teams won last night, including the Heat and the Bucks. So 16 of 32. Hey, by the way. Three-point shooting, covering up for some other mistakes in this game. It's a long way, doesn't it? It's kind of nice. It's nice to be on the other side of one of those, Doug. I mean, you could see it in the faces of the, as the Raptors players as they as they left the court. That's something we've seen quite a bit in Charlotte and, and with this team. So, nice for them. But you mentioned uh, the other teams winning. And, I mean, the Hornets are still three games back with seven to go. This is your seven-game playoff series right here, Doug. Except you probably, like you said, you probably have to win them all. Yeah, they they have to yeah essentially they have to sweep this seven game uh, stretch which will include again two more back to backs. That's what mm. makes it even tough. If this, if this were seven games every other day, that would be one thing. But um, the time is constricted, and they need other teams to lose as well. Uh, the Pacers. I was looking at the standings. The Pacers are suddenly yeah. on the bubble, thirty seven and thirty eight. They've lost two in a row, um, but the Hornets are still behind the Bulls and the Pistons. Uh, so that will be, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough road. Uh, and you we know, should we we should mention our old friend Lance Stevenson is uh, coming back to town Lance, in, in Indianapolis. Not not a Charlotte, but back to town. Oh, yeah, you're scaring listeners. Stop <laughs> sorry, it. sorry. Uh, I so think that's the, interesting. That's very interesting. I think the bottom line is that the Hornets just don't quit most of oh, the time. God. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How frustrating was this game for people who wanted this? I, I said this on Twitter. Part of part of the enjoyment of this victory for me is knowing how upset it was going to make certain people who really just want the Hornets to lay down, uh, take a nap. I mean, they want to give the Hornets some more milk, play some soft music, right. and let's just get to the draft. But uh, Kimball Walker, again, you can see when he hit the shot. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when I say that these players – have played in the biggest situations. They have, or at least in Kimba's case, I mean, he's played for a national championship. But a lot of these players have played at the highest level their entire lives. They can't just go out onto the court and, at least you hope, you hope they can. I mean, some teams do quit. Yeah, you are seeing it. I mean, it is happening out there, or it does. Yeah, you're right. But you don't want those players on your team because, look, here's the thing. If they quit now, that tells you, that tells you one thing. They have the ability to quit. Right. So what happens when you do get to that second round? And it is game seven. And it's been a, a, a really tough series. And maybe someone goes down with injury. And your your back's against the wall. Do you want the players 
that have the ability to quit and have shown that in the past? Or do you want the players like Kimball Walker who says, I don't care what the odds are. I don't care what the draft pick says. I'm going to go out here and knock down this shot. And I'm going to win this ball game. Yeah. Which players exactly. do you want? Which players do you want to cheer for? Which players do you want to have on your team? Yeah, exactly. that's it. That's I mean, all for that's that's. This has been the Colin Cowherd show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and going back to the coaching staff, right, Doug? I mean, you do there. I, I understand the feeling that hey, man, this is just not working. Like Clifford's been here three or four years. You know, the grinding defensive approach is kind of wearing them down that they may be tuning them out. But, I mean, you look at a game like that, and you could look at it both ways, but I don't think there's any danger of them tuning Clifford out at this point. I mean, you could say they just went out there and tried to win uh, for themselves. Uh, But as a team, as a unit, this team looks a lot more cohesive than, you know, some other teams might be in their situation. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's still an uphill battle to get into the playoffs. But, yeah, they're not quitting. Um, they take a lot of pride, I think, right? And that's not by mistake. I mean, I do think the roster construction, they do look for guys like that, obviously, that can play, but high-character guys and that want to win and you know play together and have mixed well with good chemistry. So all of that has not come to fruition and worked out all season, but it's nice to know that it's still there. And had they you know, had a few things go their way that didn't, you know, things could have been different. But I don't think... I mean, what do you think about this, Doug? Because, like, right now, if let's say, even if they lost, like, the, well, if they lost all seven games, I guess it may make a difference. But, like, at this point, you might as well try and win. I just don't see a whole lot of difference coming with a few more ping pong balls uh, losing the rest, you know, seven of these games. No, I don't think so either. I have to read this email by Keith, uh, who has – he's brought his rhyme game this entire season around the draft, and he brings it in this email – uh, the subject line, Hornets score 44 points in the fourth for the win, uh, which uh, the email says, which will ultimately cost us a couple of positions in the draft and prove that we had too much guile for miles. <laughs> Keith knows the oh, way to my heart is a good rhyme. Uh, we did limericks last season. Uh, so he knows that the good, oh, the easiest way to my heart is, is a rhyme. Too much guile just, uh, for miles. Man, that is, I just you're, I can't do it. I mean, not, more power to the people that can. It's just torturing yourself with all these what if scenarios when you're talking about ping pong balls and chance. It's like, man, I don't. I've we've gone down that road. <laughs> we've gone. We went down that road hard. We went all the way to the end and were denied by New Orleans. Um, you know, for that number one pick. So I'm like, it's just, it's just whatever is going to happen happens. You know. I think Keith. I think other people that email the show, I think other people that listen to the show, I know they watch the Hornets. You know, I know they actually are for sure are yeah, watching yeah, yeah. the games. So I think they get it. Uh, it because look, I can, I, I want to, I want a cool draft pick. I want a nice, I want an awesome pick. Too, I want a yeah. cool toy. That's all. It's awesome. Like it's cool. It's cool to get things. I understand that. Um, but I, and I think they understand though when they watch Kimball Walker and and his competitive fire and they watch him knock down that shot, they get it. They get it. On some level, they understand like this is this is just how it is. Um, you know, this you would want them playing like this now had there not been the unfortunate situations that happened earlier in the season, and and that's why you know you hear Clifford talking about it all the time. You have to play this way for eighty two games because even if here is the thing with the talent level that this team has, and it, they don't have the superstars. Okay, even if they had played this way for eighty two games. 
There are going to be injuries. There are going to be, uh, you know, back-to-backs, you know, 18 games in 30 days that are going to weigh on your ultimate record. But if you don't play this way for 82 games, you have situations like you you had the other night where you, you absolutely needed a win and you don't even come out and compete. And that's to me again. That's not the, that's not the kind of team that you want on a that you want to see on a consistent basis. So uh, the Hornets are still mathematically alive, uh, but yeah, they also <laughs> they also need to win out. So they are probably dead. So that makes them the living dead. <laughs> that makes them hashtag zombie Hornets. They're basically they're in between. Uh, tanking and uh, fighting, you know, legitimately fighting for a playoff spot. So there's zombie, they're, zombie hornets. Would, would you say they're walking that night of teal, the, the teal mile? <laughs> would you would you get that far? Uh, not yet. I mean, not I don't yet. think because they're not officially they're not officially done. Not but as I said, yeah. uh, three games out with seven to go. Some t- a team is you know more than one team is going to have to go on a losing streak. So the Pistons have lost five in a row. Uh, that definitely helps. I think they can get by the Pistons. The Bulls are going to be interesting uh, because they are they're sort of like the Hornets right now. They've got no very like the Hornets. They've got no business winning some of these games that they're winning. And I know Bulls fans don't want them to win it either. So um, you know it's just it's tough. It's tough when you look at the standings. And you look at the Hornets' record and go 34 and 41, okay. But they have a point differential of plus 0.8. The only team out of the playoffs with a positive point differential. Very frustrating. It's very frustrating because that means that the reason they are in the situation that they are in is because they lost so many close games. Mm-hmm. Hornets haven't been blown out a ton this season. They've just lost a ton of close games. There was just, I think when we look back on this season, there was just an extra something that wasn't there. And and that's, I think, what they'll be looking for in this offseason. Yes, they're going to be looking for a backup point guard. Yes, they probably need another knockdown shooter, another wing to come off the bench and hit shots. Um, or and, and, more defend, and more defenders. I mean, uh, Clifford talked about it last night. It's tough sometimes. When you've got four players on the floor who are not all four are not naturally inclined to play defense, that's tough. Um, but they were just yeah. they were missing an they were missing an extra something that that Lee gave them, you know, that Lynn gave them, um, and they'll they'll be on. I think that's what they'll be searching for more than positionality. They'll be searching for that extra something. And what did we say about Courtney Lee a lot last year? Um, in a in a in a positive way, like he's a guy that you could throw in there and not be worried about what you're going to get. Like sometimes the ceiling is going to be really high, but he's never going to kill you, and he's probably going to you know at least uh, keep you steady. And not that the guys this year um, haven't been good at times, but there's clearly been a lack of consistency um, across the bench, right? I mean, no matter who you talk to, they've all had their moments. But and, and to be fair, like Lee was here for what the last third of the season. Um, but he's 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 been a guy at like like we said last he's been in the finals. Uh, he's played on playoff teams. He's played in uh, high pressure situations, and he's delivered. So I mean, um, yeah, that that was certainly a piece that was missing, and I'm certain I'm sure we'll run down 
you know, all the other swings and misses. Well, it's going to have to come year, from players. But. It's going to have to come from players that are already on this roster as well. <sighs> I mean, there's going yeah. to have to be some soul searching from uh, several of the core guys. Well, and the other thing is, like, Batum had a down year. Um, Marvin had a down year. I feel a little bit better about, you know, Nick having a bounce back year next year. Um, just in terms sure. of, again, consistency, not necessarily production, because, I mean, you look at their numbers, I mean, they're pretty close, really, to, like, what they did last year, or at least their career numbers. So, but, but, but some of the mistakes, right? Like some of the stuff that doesn't necessarily jump out at you from like a stats perspective, but when you watch the games, you're, you're like, oh man, there's another key mistake. And, and again, to your point, you're talking about one or two moments in like, you know, 10 or 20 games, right. That cost the game, um, you know, little things, little bad turnovers, just uh, mental breakdowns. And like you said, just not being locked in for 82 minutes, that's, that is the, the biggest mystery, I think, for me, Doug. It's like this group, for the most part, the core has been here, and, and it has, you haven't had those problems in years past. Clifford's obviously been here. You know, they have a way of doing things. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't gone that way this year. So that's the weird thing. And I don't think anyone can put their finger on like why that happened. Well, I, I wonder, I mean, you had Kimball Walker playing on just another level and you had Nick Batum signed to a contract that's that's kind of rare here in Charlotte it's not it's not often that we sign players to those kind of deals And, and this this for a long time this team has been underpaid and very focused on the sort of every man has to give every bit of themselves. And I wonder if just the, the there was a little bit of looking at the the two guys at the top and going, okay, guys, carry us. Make this happen for us. And and on some nights it happened right. and on other nights it didn't. I don't know. Um, but I, but yeah, I, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Sorry, that's a good point too. I mean, the, kind of the new age of this mega salary in the NBA, right? All this you know new, new money kind of found with this new contract. I mean, it, I guess it is an adjustment, right? I mean, you're right. That, that's a, it's a large figure, and especially in Charlotte, um, and a guy like Nick Batum, um, who a lot of people are still saying, wow, look at that big contract, and then look at the numbers, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. All right, seven more games to go for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, next up, they have the Denver Nuggets on Friday. That game will be at home. Uh, they beat the Nuggets in Denver by 10 in their last game, 112-102, to I believe, was the final score. That tip set for 7 o'clock on Friday. We will have more for you uh, tomorrow and tonight, actually. We've got, uh, we've got Locked on Hornets live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. We're going to be talking um, to Adam Chen from Baseline Buzz. That's going to be a good conversation on some positives that we can take away from this season. We've talked a lot on this show about some of the negatives, but there are some positives we to got, take. We got to be we got to turn that around, Doug. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. you can just it's fair and balanced. That's what it's all about. That's so, true. <laughs> um, all right, that'll do it for us here on this edition of Locked On Hornets. We'll see you tonight. Thanks for listening. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts. Be like Keith. Send them to us. Buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.
With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.